All right, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Cap and Trade, episode 23. Our guest tonight is Mr. Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus. He is joining us from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine, working his way through the convention center, and uh, hopefully he's got some good information to share with us tonight. Brad, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's uh, not a ton of news, but, you know, some some chatter going on. Yeah, I would. I suspect, you know, there, it's only what day one, day two. So, I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of things are floating around pretty quickly. And you know, well, we got some. I wanted to get into some Texan specific stuff, but before we get into that, we'll kind of cover outside of Houston first. And you know, just we're in the window for for franchise tag right now, and I, I kind of have a list of players that seem to be likely franchise tagged if if they can't get a uh, get an extension done in the next week or so so i have see if this aligns with what you're hearing so orlando brown with kansas city mike gasecki yep. out of miami Devonte adams yep. obviously seems like that's gonna happen or at least buy themselves some time to continue negotiating and then the third one the fourth one i added just based on news today was david njoko yeah, I think his value is growing at the tight end spot, um, and because that tag is still so low, or you know, around eleven million, I, I think he's definitely a candidate. So, I mean, because they have Austin Hooper on their roster at tight end as it is, and it makes me wonder if he if they're just going to roll with both of them, or because I mean, he's he's I guess he could potentially be a cap casualty. I mean, he's he's still got a big chunk of dead money. It's only like a two million dollar cap savings so yeah they went with that that structure where they try to prorate a bunch and have the option bonus and the void year you know even when they had a ton of cap space so he's an interesting one and, and even harrison bryant um i want to say he just finished his second year fourth round pick in 2020 has been a good young tight end so far yeah and you know that seems to be the. Are there any other players that are potential franchise candidates and I'm missing from? Them? Yeah, I think Jesse Bates, the safety in Cincinnati, is is almost a guarantee. Uh, Duke Tobin at his presser today, you know, didn't confirm it, but basically said, you know, he's a very important player for us. We'd love to have him back. Um, and obviously, you know, a, a long term deal doesn't seem imminent. Yeah, and we've seen Cincinnati kind of go out of their out of their comfort zone with spending money both on on their own players and outside with free agency the last two years. So it's good to see Mike Brown actually opening up the wallet a little bit up there and hopefully he continues to do the same for Bates, even though his his play in the regular season this year wasn't up to the spec of twenty twenty performance, but then he re he resumed his, his stellar play in the playoffs. So it seems like he it makes no sense for, for Cincinnati to let him walk at this point in my opinion especially with their i mean joe burrow on a rookie contract you've got to you've got to leverage that as best you can across the roster yeah 100 100 and as you mentioned they're top five in projected cap space and over the cap right now you know obviously very healthy roster uh i i do i think they're going to try to find a way to get it done but i just think they're going to need a tag first you know before they get there yep so some of the players that were could potentially land some pretty big contracts you know, we had two of them were on the list. Were on the franchise tag list: Devontae Adams and Orlando Brown. I think, you know, I think the tag at this point is just an extension on the negotiating window. Negotiating window, but Teron Armstead out of New Orleans is kind of one that's interesting to watch. I mean, he's a little bit, a little bit, a little bit older compared to the to your typical 
high profile free agent. He he's already had one big contract in New Orleans, and New Orleans is slated, in my opinion, probably to slide Ryan Ramchek over to left tackle, and let Toronto Armstead walk. So, have you heard anything on Armstead? Well, he's interesting because, you know, in the same way with Taysom Hill, how that extension actually cleared cap space for them because there was so much dead money scheduled to hit. I mean, Armstead's cap hit would be $13 million next year if he's not on the roster. So, you know, I do think they're going to try to work something out. Um, you know, he had this injury and it sounded like he tried to play through it during the year. Ultimately, he was not able to and had to get some surgery. But I think they're going to try. I think they're going to try to reward him for pushing through that. But if he does hit the market, uh, I think it's going to be, you know, a fire sale. And, and pretty much every team in the NFL is going to be at least making a phone call to, to see what's going on there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he's 31. His contract's going to avoid, yep, March 16th. So right at the start of the new league year. And then uh, just kind of rattle off a few names before we get into the text and stuff. So some of the other players that I'm really interested in to see what happens with is some wide receivers, Allen Robinson, Mike Williams. You have any – and uh, let's see. Yeah, that's the only – and Christian Kirk. Have you have you heard anything on any – Yeah, so Allen Robinson actually just, just walked in the hotel as I was walking in. So there's a little, little uh, inside of, of Indianapolis. But, uh, yeah, Christian Kirk, I think there was an interesting quote today um, from Steve Kime, the general manager in Arizona – kept talking about how much they want to get Rondell Moore, their second-round pick last year out of Purdue, involved. And, and look, Kirk and Moore are not the, the same player, but, you know, line up in the slot. Kirk is more of a deep threat speed guy. You know, Moore kind of works underneath and, and create, um, you know, force missed tackles in space and do all that. But the way he kept emphasizing how they wanted to get Rondell Moore more involved, it maybe suggests that, you know, they, they don't know if they can keep Kirk around. Yeah, that, I saw that today. A lot of a lot of a lot of comments about uh, Rondell Moore, and that just gives even more credence, like you said, to Christian Kirk going. I mean, they're they're already going to be tied up against the cap as it is. Um, Mike Williams. I mean, I don't see why Los Angeles would not retain him. I mean, they've another team with a rookie contract, rookie contract at the quarterback position, ton of cap space. They have a lot of areas to address, but it seems like Mike Williams, at least from what it sounds like from Tom Telesco, from him talking around a little bit. I'd be shocked if he gets away. And then, let's see here. Cordell Patterson and Leonard Fournette. That's two that's interesting. I mean, Cordell, he seemed to really fit in with Arthur Smith's scheme there in Atlanta, but Atlanta's not really going anywhere at this point. I mean, they're still in, in rebuild mode in year two of trying to clean up the salary cap. So I'm not sure – if he stays there or if he kind of ventures out and finds another place that with a similar type mold for him to use or. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of that wide zone offense now that we're seeing, you know, spread across the NFL. I, I thought Falcons general manager, Terry Fontenot had one of the more maybe honest answers of the day, which, which isn't saying a ton, but he had an interesting answer when someone asked kind of, how do you approach a Cordero Patterson extension? How do you gauge his market? And he said, look, it's, it's hard to find contract comps for Cordero Patterson. I mean, the guy is very unique. And now you add in the running you know, element to his game as a true running back, but obviously can play wide receiver, obviously one of the better kick returners, that, you know, frankly, in the history of the NFL. So it, it was interesting because he really, you could tell his gears were kind of turning. Like, it's really hard to find comps that both sides agree on. Um, I'm with you. I think because of where the team is at, it's probably hard, especially with, you know, you trade Julio Jones away. There's, you know, no one had a comment on Calvin Ridley in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's just tough to, yeah, to bring back Cordero Patterson on, on a decent deal he does deserve when you're not really going anywhere. 
So uh, speaking of Calvin Ridley, <coughs> I saw the the PFF count tossed it, and I think it might have had your name on it about a hypothetical trade of Ridley for for two, and so Ridley's playing on his fifth year option this year at eleven million and change. That's I mean that's tough for me even for a two at that dollar figure for him. I mean I know he's a very good player. He's twenty seven years old, but he's also dealing with you know. See if he's coming back from the mental issues that he experienced this past year, and to me that that fifth year option at this point is just a one year prove it deal, and and to me I don't know that he would get that on the open market in this right now based on all the factors involved. No, I totally hear you. So when Arthur Smith, the head coach, and Terry Fontenot, they were asked how is Calvin Ridley, they both said that's a question for Calvin Ridley. So I think there's just no in insight there and, and no information so yeah you know realistically i i don't try to you know make up these fake trades and phony trades but you know i think he was a guy that could have maybe fetched a first round pick if you you know go back a year from now but realistically i don't think anyone is really going to invest a lot of draft capital there because it, it seems like no one really knows what's going on there <laughs> yeah that, that pretty much aligns with my thinking so we'll we'll dive back over into the the texas specific thing so we're going to cover the offensive side of the ball tonight. We'll kind of go through each each position, look at who's currently on the roster, and you know some of the potential free agents. You know, I don't just to give everybody a fair warning. I don't into, I don't look at many of the high profile free agents. I don't think the Texans are going to be shopping in that tier one first wave of free agency again. I think they're going to be focusing wave two, wave three, and beyond. In it might be more one and two year deals like we saw last year, but I just don't don't foresee them making any giant splashes this year. So for the sake of this little simulation slash exercise, we're gonna presume that the Texans have already released four players, you know, Kevin Pierre Lewis, Eric Murray, Marcus Cannon, Kaimi Fairbairn, and I was thinking probably adding Justin McCray to this list. We're gonna keep Tunsil, no trade there, and assume the trade the trade on Deshaun Watson has, has proceeded through. And uh, so that would put the team, you know, upwards around, I think, $57 million in cap space with an effective number of like 43 once you pull in the top 51. So I think the, the, the position for the Texans, at least for the fans here, based on what we've heard from the coaches, is the tight end position. You know, we heard Darren Lovey-Smith and Pep Hamilton when they were introduced – there was a lot of talk of from Pep and from and from Casario himself, and then he reiterated the same thing today during his press conference of how critical his offense runs around a 12 personnel grouping. And at this point, the team only has two tight ends on the roster. Really, one of them is more like a H back slash move tight end, David, you know, Paul Questenberry, but Brevin Jordan. You know, draft, drafted last year, he's really the only real true tight end on this roster. So the team is definitely going to be looking at a you know a, a good good mid level type tight end. They'll be looking for an inline blocking type of tight end, and then probably be drafting another tight end. And in addition to any uh, undrafted players they did look at. So at this point, my list was you know I think I think. It, uh-oh. I'm here. I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> so, 
you know, I think Anthony Alclair is somebody that the team will probably bring back just for, um, you know, he's a inline blocking tight end. He doesn't really do much in the receiving receiving point. But it seems like the big names, at least among the fans, is O.J. Howard, you know, former first-round pick out of Tampa Bay. Started off really well, you know, his first and second years and then kind of trailed off, had some injuries, and then got stuck behind Rob Gronkowski on the, um, on the depth chart. And, you know, it seems like, most people feel like it's kind of it should be a one year prove it deal for him. I know his uh, his evaluation only came in at around four and a half million. I haven't really seen any too many roster, I mean uh, contract projections on him. But have you gauged any market value on him? Yeah, I think I had the one year flyer right around there. You know, I think when you see guys like Ian Thomas signed for sixteen and a half million over three years. Um, you know, it, it's hard to put a floor on the tight end position because if you can get on the field and have the athleticism to play at that size, I think you inherently have a decent, you know, decently high floor. But there are so many options available um, that, you know, I don't know if the first round pedigree and all those things are really going to carry all that much weight just because there, there's a lot of guys available. There is a lot of guys available. The, the tight end, the tight end free agent group is probably the deepest with the most talent across the board from slot number one down to, you know, slot number 12. You know, I think between that and between the draft, you know, the draft still has some pretty pretty decent uh, tight ends on day two and day three for sure as well. So there's ample places to pick up uh, tight ends this year, both free agency and the draft. So, and you brought up Ian Thomas, and I meant to mention that, and that was, that's the part that kind of threw me off. When that, that number came in at three years over 16 and a half, that just threw right there to me that, okay, the floor has been raised. Just like you said, the floor has been raised on the tight ends. I was thinking a player like Ian Thomas, who's primarily a blocking inline tight end. I think he only had like 188 yards receiving this past year in Carolina. You know, if he's pulling in that kind of APY, I was thinking that type of player would be looking at more like three and a half, maybe four. And the number comes in quite a bit higher. So, you know, O.J. Howard, like we said, a little over, you know, four and a half, something like that. Another player I think is really underrated within the division, Mo, Al- Mo Ali Cox out of Indianapolis. Got any thoughts on him? Uh-oh, and I think we lost Brad. I'm sitting here rattling away, and he's he's gone. There he is. Let me see if I can get him back in here. Invite to speak. Based on the – oh, there he is. Sorry about that. That's okay. All right. So where were we? So we were talking about, so I had brought up Mo Ali Cox out of Indianapolis. You know, I talked about the Ian Thomas contract and how that raised the floor for tight ends as a whole. I mean, if that, if he's coming in with that type of number, you know, three years, 16 and a half as a primarily a blocking tight end, then that's really just going to raise the floor across the board. Cause I thought a blocking tight end would be more around the three and a half to $4 million range. So, Mo Ali yeah, Cox, no, yeah, Mo Ali Cox out of Indianapolis, I think is a very underrated tight end. I think he just, just, you know, I don't know what what held him back up there, but when he did shine, he shined very well. And just to see, would you have any thoughts on Mo Ali Cox? Yeah, I think they had a lot of loyalty to Jack Doyle there, and it sounds like Doyle is considering retirement along with wide receiver Two I Hilton. And yeah, I projected Ali Cox at three years, twenty one million. Um, you know, I, I do. I think he's this emerging young player. We obviously hear this about every tight end, but former college basketball player was a good player at VCU. Um, but yeah, like he he has 
some traits and abilities in the red zone as a big body tight end that you just can't really teach. Um, and I do. I, I could see a team, you know, making a splash and him signing a deal that we don't really expect and is stronger than a lot of people thought. Yeah, and he's he's coming off the RFA tender, and yeah, I mean, I think there's a real chance that Indianapolis is able to keep him, based on like you said with Jack Doyle moving on. Another player that I had my eyes on was Max Williams out of Arizona. You know, that's he's more of an inline type blocker, inline type tight end. He can get out, he can catch the ball, but he's not your typical athletic type of tight end. He's gonna like I said, he's going to line up next to the tackle more often than than spreading out from the slot. But uh, I think I think his evaluation came in around six and a quarter. Have you heard any? What are, you, what are your thoughts on Max Williams? Yeah, so he's interesting because he was off to kind of the best start of his career thus far, both as a receiver and a blocker, um, for the first month of the season, and, and then he tore his ACL. And, yep. and there's obviously a lot of injuries in this free agency class, but his is earlier, right? I, I think we've now seen with recovery times, he, he should be fine by week one, if not earlier. Um, I, I do. I think there could be a strong deal there as well. You know, comes from Baltimore, was a bit of, a, I guess, a bust in Baltimore, but showed, I think, in Arizona last year that he can do everything as a tight end. Not going to be a premier number one guy, but... Yeah, it could be a solid one-year flyer because if a team wants to take the bet that you know he, he plays well, then you extend him the multi-year deal. Um, I, I could definitely see that for Max. So a player that I don't think was on your free agent rankings was Tyler Conklin out of Minnesota. He's 27, former fifth-round pick. You know he he put he hasn't. I think he's missed one game through his first four years, you know, and at 81% of the snaps last year, 593 yards rushing, I mean, uh, receiving. So, I mean, he's 6'4", 240, so he's probably not – he's probably more of a spread-out type of tight end. He's, you know, maybe another type that would be similar to Brevin Jordan, not the, not the, not the type that's going to line up next to the tackle. But do you have any information on Conklin – I don't think he was on yeah. your rankings list, though. No, he definitely was. I think I think you missed him on there. I, oh, I, I'm no. pretty high on Conklin. Um, you know, I know when, when Minnesota went ahead and decided to trade Kyle Rudolph to the New York Giants, it wasn't just because they had a lot of faith in Irv Smith Jr., their 2019 second-round pick, who unfortunately got hurt before the season even began and wasn't able to show. Apparently in camp, he looked great. He was going to be you know the number three option behind Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, but they were okay trading Rudolph because not just him, but also – uh, because of Tyler Conklin. I, I think he could get a deal. I think I have him on there for three years, $24 million. I, I honestly wouldn't be shocked, depending how the market plays out and, and who gets those franchise tags. Um, like you said, a bit limited, can't do everything, but does not miss many snaps. They trust him to do everything. I, I think Minnesota's going to make a big push to keep him. Um, and if not, I, I do. I think a team could come in and make a nice offer because not a lot of weaknesses in his game. I don't see him on your free agent rankings oh under, no under tight ends because if i can get all the way down to jordan akins without seeing tyler conklin then we got a problem okay well, then that's that's an error then you just you just caught a, a live typo on uh, on the spaces <laughs> that's an issue <laughs> yeah uh and then kind of dipping down a little bit lower <clears throat> couple of uh in division players anthony first anthony ferkser and michael pruitt out of tennessee both very athletic type of players. I'm just not sure. I'm having a little bit of trouble of getting a read on their kind of money because I mean Tennessee's going to be tied up against the cap again. So the, I mean I feel like one or both of these players might get away. You know, Fersker played last year on a three million dollar contract with an evaluation of just a little over four four million. 
see 290 yards receiving on 15 games so you know he's 6'3 220 he's a very pretty little guy almost <laughs> almost similar to a to a uh to a wide receiver at that point so I think that's another player that you might want to look at. And then Michael Pruitt, who's a little bit older. He's 30 years old, played on a minimum level contract last year in Tennessee, but came in with an evaluation of a little bit higher at $4.3 million, but he was more that inline type blocker. I don't know if you really have much information on either of those two players. Yeah, I think Pruitt is more likely to stick in Tennessee is my understanding. Um, and I think – with Ferkser, kind of like a Dan Arnold type, like you mentioned, like wiry, skinny guy at tight end. Um, I, I don't know if they think he kind of performed what they were hoping to see with him, um, even on just a one-year $3 million flyer. I think he's probably more likely to hit the market. And the last one for tight end, Ricky Sills-Jones out of Washington. Played 13 games this past year. He's a big guy. Would be a good, you know, red zone type target. I'm just – his route running, his uh, athletic ability is a bit questionable. I just don't really have much of a read on him. you have much on that one? He keeps bouncing around rosters for whatever reason. Um, obviously, he was in Washington this past year, and I had a couple games where he was kind of an impact player. Um, but, it, yeah, it just seems like inconsistency and some stuff there kind of keeps him from any you know substantial multi-year deal. But he can crop up and have a you know 80-yard outing kind of you know randomly here and there. Um, and, and that tight end room in, in Washington with Logan Thomas and, and some of the rookies they have there was not, not a bad group. So, you know, he was interesting in Arizona. He, he's bounced around. Um, yeah, hard, hard to gauge that one. Probably another you know near minimum one year deal but but definitely a guy that you know you could get value on that deal so we're going to shift it over to the offensive line we'll be looking at uh let's take a look at offensive guard and at this point i have cooper and uh i think was an undrafted free or reserve type player justin mccray if he's not released and then max sharping who I think there's a real chance that he might get released as well, despite him being on the last year of his rookie deal. His contract uh, jumps up to the $2.54 million base with him being under the proven performance escalator. So I think that makes him even more of a potential cap casualty just with the, the big raise in, in salary for him. So this one, I think if, if the Texans are going to make any kind of a splash in free agency, I think it's, it could be at the guard position. And these numbers, you know, guards are kind of tricky. They can make really good money if they have the right market. If you, you know, with Pep Hamilton, they definitely need that kind of a nasty run blocking, very power type of scheme uh, type of guard. I don't think they need, I don't think they're going to be looking at any kind of like zone, zone scheme type players. You know, you know, I thought, you know, I see a lot of people linking, uh, Lincoln Lincoln Tom Lincoln Tom, Tomlinson on there, but I'm just not sure that he fits the type of location. Okay, and uh, I just don't think he's going to be quite the type of fit that we need. So, I think the the number one player for for the value for me is going to be Mark Glowinski out of Indianapolis. I keep picking players that are within the division, but you have any uh, thoughts on Mark Glowinski? He's a third. Yeah, I'm he's with a little you. Bit, a little bit older. A little bit older. Um, you know, I'm with you that Tomlinson is, is that in that wide zone offense. That's when his career kind of took off when he went to San Francisco from Detroit. Um, yeah, I think Lewinsky's a solid option as a gap, you know, blocking offensive lineman at guard. It's not a great class, um, but I do think there's enough guys, especially some younger guys, that 
you know, he shouldn't have a crazy market by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think it's probably a good target. Yeah, he's coming off a contract where he was making, he had a 5.4 APY on a three-year deal up in Indianapolis, made $6.1 million last year. So, you know, I think I think uh, he would be similar to that type of contract, maybe just a little bump. I think your your free agent rankings projection had him around six and a quarter on APY. Another player, which I think uh, Casario would be, would have uh, some knowledge of, but with this whole thing, with you know, we got to be careful with the New England ties because the whole coaching staff for the Texans now have basically no ties to New England. With George Warhop as as the offensive coordinator or the offensive line coach, so you know, I have t- uh, t- Ted Carras out here out of uh, out of New England. You know, I think he would be another potential value type of player, whether it's a guard or center. I know he can play either position, you know, and he had a, at least from an OTC valuation, it was just over $6 million, but I'm not entirely sure he gets out of New England. I think they're probably going to re-sign him despite their type cap situation up there, but I think that would be another player that you could bring in at least for a one- or two-year deal at a, at a decent little number. Yeah, no, I think Karras' year was big in that, you know, just to go to New England in the first place, they re-signed Mark Andrews. He was playing center, obviously, with Brian Flores in Miami. And when they re-signed Andrews, you know, everyone said, okay, well, Karras is not going to go elsewhere. He was kind of rumored to be going back to New England, and, and he still did. And then the big thing there was he logged about 650 snaps, the left guard, graded out well for us. And so I think the beauty of him as a free agent is, Maybe if you don't find him a starting spot in the interior, he can probably back up all three spots along the interior. Um, we have him getting a three-year deal, about $12 million in total. Um, you know, I, I do think he's motivated to get a multi-year extension now after a couple one-year flyers, but probably one of my favorite value you know, uh, guys available because just the versatility uh, you know, along the interior. So we start talking about a New England player, and Miguel sneaks in here just to listen. His ears must have been burning. Another... Uh, Another potential value, which he he really had turned around this year after after being let go from the Chargers a year before that. So Trey Turner out of Pittsburgh is uh you know had a kind of a resurgence this past year, and coming out of uh, Pittsburgh, he signed there with you know a three million dollar deal this this past year on a one year contract. Came back with an OTC valuation of seven point nine million. So I think I mean he's he's still twenty nine, you know, which in which in offensive line years is is still relatively young, former third round pick. I think that's somebody that could be that similar that similar area where he could get you know on a two year deal, you know, four or five million dollars per year and and be a good kind of a bridge option if you end up wanting to draft a couple of players as well. Yeah, he was interesting. He obviously was was one of the higher paid guards in the entire NFL with the Carolina yep. Panthers, and then they went ahead and traded him to the Chargers for Russell Okung and and kind of this big swap of offensive linemen. And he was, you know, obviously not good with the Chargers, but definitely a solid year in Pittsburgh. It's not a good offensive line, and also. We do think, you know, there's some issues with grading Pittsburgh because of how fast Ben Roethlisberger got the ball out of his hand, frankly. It was kind of hard to grade their offensive linemen because, you know, are you winning a pass rush or, you know, a pass blocking snap if the quarterback throws the ball in two seconds every single time? Uh, but nevertheless, definitely bounced back. Um, sounds like he was a leader in that room. It's kind of a young offensive line now. I agree with you. I think he'll get a decent deal, maybe two years, $10 million or, you know, maybe even less. Um, and yeah, has some tenacity, a little, a little bit of nasty to him. I, I think could be a good anchor. And like you said, maybe you know, not not a huge deal, but but you know, could be a solid addition. 
So I know a lot of people have been looking at Austin Corbett. I'm just, I'm having trouble finding him as a fit with the Houston scheme coming from kind of that mixed, you know, zone scheme that Los Angeles runs. You know, I think his, his mark is going to be pretty strong, you know, upwards of nine to 10, maybe, maybe a little bit more per year. But I mean, does, does somebody like Corbett, would that fit the scheme that, that Pep Hamilton's trying to run here in Houston? Or am I, am I, am I thinking right that that's probably not where they need to be looking? No, I'm with you. He, you know, he, he got traded from Cleveland as, as an early second rounder to, to Los Angeles. And again, that, that wide zone scheme clearly seemed to fit his talents. I think they're going to prioritize him over center Brian Allen, who's also a free agent. But he is. I, I've been told, um, you know, my projection for him, I think you said about 9.25 per year. Uh, I've been told that that's probably too low. Um, I, I think he's going to get a pretty solid deal above that $10 million per year mark if he does hit the market. We'll finish it off with your with your uh, with your guy James Daniels. I mean, I think he's just seems like his value seems to be just skyrocketing among among the discussions that I get filtered down back to me and what I read on on Twitter, which we know is gospel and completely the truth. <laughs> and uh, you know, I think I think he's probably the one one of the main guards that's going to eclipse that ten million APY number. Yeah, the thing with Daniels is, you know, A, he came in as a center. They then put him at left guard. Then they put him at right guard. They used to have more of an inside zone scheme in the beginning. Then they tried to transition into this, you know, this again, this popular outside zone scheme. And, and he fit better in it. The thing about him, too, is he's going to be younger than some of the draft picks in this year's class. I mean, that's how young this guy is. He's He'll be 24 on week one of 2022. Wow. Um, and, and so you have a guy like that who's – you know, again, his grades never been great, but he's never had a sub sixty grade in four years now at all three spots. Um, I do. I, maybe I'm a little bit high there, but I, I think there could be um, a nice market there for him. You know, he can, can get beat a little bit on pass rush snaps. Guys can kind of get hands in his chest, and and he needs to get a little stronger, a little more physical. But again, he's 24 years old, so I think there's belief that that will come. Yeah, not like I mentioned in the beginning. I, I don't think, I don't think Casario is going to be shopping in that. And that guard range is going to be upwards of eight, nine, ten million dollars per year. I think, I think uh, the five to six million, five, six, seven million dollar per year range is where he's going to be looking. And like we mentioned, Mark Lewinsky, Ted Karras, maybe Trey Turner, Lucas Patrick, who can play both positions. So that's pretty much the the guard list. Are there any of the names that I that I missed that that you think might be an option for the team? No, I think those are probably the good ones. Like you said, that that second group of guys, and there could be some cap casualties as well um, that I think will you know fill out that list a bit. Always is. So move up right next door to them to the center position. Right now, the Texans currently have, and I say currently, have zero centers under contract. Now they do have one exclusive rights free agent, Jimmy uh, Jimmy Morrissey, who I think you know he'll get tendered and. Despite my low-level excitement with this, I, you know, I feel like Justin Britt does have a chance at returning. I'm still kind of iffy on it, but I think that the door is kind of open there if they can get him back at, you know, five million dollars or less. But I'm personally ready to move on from the Justin Britt experiment and either find another veteran or draft a a, a particular center out of uh, Iowa, you know, in the first round. But Few the the center market is very very weak when it comes to free agency. I mean, you've got Ryan Jensen who's gonna 
make quite a bit of money and then there's kind of a drop off from there you know down to the you know at this point it's either like a Bradley Bozeman out of I think Baltimore Ethan Posick out of Seattle Brian Allen I mean it's it's a very 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 weak class I, I don't think Ben Jones would be somebody the team would want to look at despite I think he's a very very good center but he's you know he's 32 years old so I'm having trouble finding some value here unless you want to really dive down to the Austin Blythe of the world. And are there any names in center that I'm, that I'm missing here? Yeah. Like Austin Ryder as well. The former Kansas city chief center who yeah. I think signed with Miami for, for a stretch this year as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the center group, like you mentioned, Bozeman's probably one where I think is a good scheme fit. Um, but it, it seems like his market's trending in a positive direction as well. Um, and again, if you're the Texans, do you really want to spend a bunch at center? Probably not. If I had to guess, I, I think Britt returns on a one-year deal for you know four to five million. Bradley Bozeman, out of like we'd mentioned, he's out of Baltimore. He's in a gap-heavy scheme, so that'd be. But he's a below-average athlete. So does I mean he's strictly strictly a center. He hasn't played any guard, has he? No, just pure center, and like you said, yeah, did not test well. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I think to play center in that system, you have to have some athleticism. So he's probably answered those questions now. You know, a couple years into his career, and he's played, I think, over a thousand snaps three years in a row now. But definitely, um, you know, only a center. I, I don't think he he has any you know possibility of playing either guard spot. And Ryan Jensen, who's going to be out of the Texans' uh, price range, he's gonna, <laughs> you have him here for three years, thirteen million per, so three year, almost forty million dollars. Wouldn't be surprised me if he ends up somewhere like Cincinnati if they decide to open up the wallet again. But you, you got any uh, potential prospects on Ryan Jensen, just where he might be heading? Yeah, so I do think he's still going to leave, but I actually got a chance to talk with Jason White, the, the Buccaneers general manager today, and I, and I thought he had an interesting answer. You know, we said we asked him, with the retirement of left guard Ali Marpet, do you think it's more likely that Jensen or right guard Alex Kappa could return? And he said yes. He said there is – it raises the odds that is that is possible, um, but I still do think Jensen leaves. And like he said, I think he's looking to top the market, and, and someone will probably give him that money. So – for some reason, I didn't have Alex Kappa on my list, and I'm not entirely sure why. You have him at four years, 9.25 per year. Well, that's probably why, because he's above that threshold that I think <laughs> that I think uh, the team will be willing to spend. So, all right. Well, that you know, that kind of you know, we looked at a few potential guards. The center position is going to be brutal. <coughs> if they're going to bring back Justin Britt, Jimmy Morrissey, probably a draft pick or two. Or an undrafted player, so you know there's probably some another another lower end free agent that just not on my radar. Another area to look at here would be slot wide receiver. You know, I think uh, the team has zero slot wide receivers on the on the on the roster at the moment. the The wide receiver group is Brandon, you know, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins. Philip Dorsett, Jalen Camp, Damon Heselton, and uh, probably Davion Davis after he gets tendered. So none of them are really true slot wide receivers. And at this point, you know, I'm, I haven't quite gotten a feel for if Pep wants a vertical type of slot wide receiver or if he wants a shifty guy that's going to work underneath. And, you know, that kind of leads me if it's going to be like a Braxton Berrios type player who – who's going to command every bit of six to seven million dollars, six or seven million dollars a year versus a Cedric Wilson out of 
out of Dallas. And I'm not entirely sure that the team would, if Pep really values slot wide receivers like the previous offensive scheme did. So I may be overthinking this and, and the team may not just have very much priority on, on slot wide receiver as, as it is, but that's seems to be the two names that are popular among the fan base. Yeah. You know, I, I think, like you said, they used to have an abundance of, of slot receivers, the Randall Cobb and, and QT and even bringing in guys like Anthony Miller. And, and now it's a bit of a hole, but um, you know, again, I, this one kind of caught me off guard, but Cedric Wilson, it sounds like we'll have a much stronger market than, than a lot of folks perhaps expected really only a one year starter, but Dak Prescott targeted him 10 times in that playoff game. He is a slot, but they think he can play you know, maybe 15, 20% of snaps outside if you need him to. Um, you mentioned Barrios. I'm with you 100% there. It's it's a group of guys that I think you know are going to get paid. Um, you know we, we've seen slot receivers. Of course, it, it's a different market. It's a bit lower than the outside guys. But this group, uh, I think, are all guys that have that have proven that they add value. Whether it's in special teams on top of playing slot. Um, and I think, you know, again, they may not be the type of players that you're looking for, but, you know, I think Cooks, Collins, and, and a decent slot receiver is actually a pretty great, you know, wide receiver trio, you know, under the radar. Yeah, and I, you know, I think they'll definitely be, I think they either will draft another player, but there's, you know, we'll get to the wide receiver group in a minute. Jameson Crowder is another player. He's a little bit older, a little bit more of a veteran type player that might make a little more sense for what the team is looking to get out of the position. You know, like I say, he's a little bit older, so he's probably not as athletic as someone like a Braxton Berrios. You know, Crowder's going to turn 39 this year, but he, you know, he's 5'8", 185. He's definitely the, the, the typical slot wide receiver build that you would be looking for. And, you know, he played last year on a one-year deal at 5.5 million APY, but came in with an evaluation of only 2.4. So I think he had – so 447 yards uh, receiving on 12 games played. Hasn't played 16 games in a couple of years now, once in the last four years. So that's a little bit of concern. But I think that might be something where the team can get a little – go a little bit older, a little bit of a veteran-type player, you know, a, a young younger Damian Amendola type of uh, signing. So I don't know if Jameson Crowder has crossed your radar at all. Yeah, you know, I, I think you said it was the five and a half on a one-year deal. I think that was negotiated down from, I want to say, $9 million in cash was what he was supposed to make um, before they, they negotiated a pay cut last offseason. The health is definitely the issue, but he's a productive player when he is healthy, and maybe you could blame the Jets' offense for that a little bit, um, you know, his lack of production since he's been in New York, but definitely a guy I would keep an eye on. You know, he's probably got, what, five years on, on Amendola, so... Um, I'm with you. I think you could get a good value there where he then has a bounce-back type season and it ages pretty well. Yeah, I think that's your the bounce-back type thing. I think that's a perfect situation where you sign him to a one-year deal, and you, you're exactly right. He was on a three-year deal at 9.5 APY with a big guarantee, and uh, Joe Douglas was able to work that down to a 5.5 with some incentives, which he didn't meet those. So. I think that would be somebody that would make sense for the team if that if that's where they wanted to allocate some uh, some cap dollars. And while we're in the wide receiver position, you know, like we said, Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins out there as your wide receiver one and two. Philip Dorsett, you know, he's he is what he is. He's kind of a vertical threat, but he's had injuries, and I wouldn't really consider him as wide receiver three even even uh, even if he makes it through camp without any issues. So the team's going to have to going to have to either probably look to the free agent market and I'm not entirely sure that that uh you know with David Coley gone I don't think Chris Moore is coming back 
Chris Conley, I'd, you know, is what it is, but I think you can get a little bit younger there. Somebody like a, a Byron Pringle, you know, Zach Pascal out of Indianapolis, if they let him walk, I think those are the type of type of players that you want to look at that can come in in that two and a half to $4 million range. Is there any other wide receivers that are – this is tough because it's a little bit farther down the list. It's This is even below the Russell Gages and Keelan Coles of, of the world. So, No, I think those guys mattered, though. I, Nick Casario, you mentioned earlier about the 12 personnel, but he also talked today just about getting advantageous run-blocking situations with his weapons. And I think a guy like Pascal has been a very important and impactful player for that Colts run game. And so – I do think maybe like we're talking about, if they don't like some of the guys at the top of the market or even some of the you know kind of more pass catcher guys, um, you know, a wide receiver, th- there are a lot of those kind of glue guy, you know, wide receiver four, wide receiver five type guys that you could bring in on a one-year flyer that I do at, at least will make an impact, you know, in clearing lanes for the in the run game. And that's why, you know, that's why I was mentioning Byron Pringle because you know he's six one two oh five, but had a four four six forty yard dash. Very strong speed and you know decent burst score, so he's got the, all the measurables measurables there that you want to look for for a vertical type threat, and I think that is something we're going to see a lot of from um, from Pep this year. So I think the team is going to definitely need to look at some more speed as part of the depth, and then if you really wanted to get into the you know a little bit a little bit higher paid type players, you know the Russell Gage he's more, I think you got him down here as a short, intermediate type type player, not as truly vertical threat. But he's four years, seven and a half million dollars. I think that's quite a bit of money to spend on a wide receiver three, even with your second wide receiver on a rookie contract. And then Keelan Cole, two years at six million per. You know he's going to be a number three or a number four wide receiver for any team. But I'm just not entirely sure that Casario coming from New England, they never really put a big stock on value on wide receivers to begin with. And they're already paying Brandon cooks a good, you know, a good bit of money this year, two and a half million dollars this year. So I'm just having trouble finding a way for them to allocate that much money to a wide receiver three at this point. Yeah. I'm with you there. All right. If y'all got any questions, I see we got just one request. We just dropped out. If y'all got any questions on any players you want to discuss, please, uh, Hit that request button on the bottom left, and we'll take a look at it. I've got a few more positions for us to cover here. But like I said, if you got any questions, hit us up. So running back, I'm, I'm firmly against signing any running backs in free agency because I just don't think you should spend money on <laughs> running backs. But they have currently Rex, Rex Superman, Burkhead, Scotty Phillips, and Darius Anderson. So I think – there's very real chance that they're actually going to draft a very strong running back on day two or, or early day three at this point. But if they did, they're still going to need to backfill the roster. And they're obviously, you know, obviously have access to the undrafted class where you can find some younger players there. But if they did want to dive into the free agency market, I think at this point it's going to be a player like a Marlon Mack or, Jordan Howard, who are kind of more power backs, not so much speed, but might fit that power scheme that Pep Hamilton wants to run. And it's honestly not going to cost you very much, you know, probably one and a half, two million dollars on a one year deal. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I will say Casario had a a funny quote today. 
know, someone asked, like, are you comfortable with Rex Burkhead being your number one guy? Because he kind of finished the season that way. And, and Casario said, Burkhead finished the season as the RB1, not by because, choice, but by necessity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. That. And so, and I know they have, you know, guys like what, Scotty Phillips and other names in the mix. But I, I do, I agree with you. I think there is a, a chance, you know, fourth through sixth round, they look to add a guy that they think can actually make an impact on day one. And then, yeah, you know, kind of a change of pace, power back. Um, like you said, none of those guys are going to cost a bunch of money, but I do. I think they'll add multiple bodies at running back. Multiple bodies, multiple young guys, a lot of juice. Um, some other potential. Rashad Penny, that one's tricky because of his injury bugs, but he really blew up the back half of the season for uh, for Seattle this year. Finally paid off on his high draft stock You know, three years later, four years later, but... I, I'm having trouble pegging a value on him at this point. Did, I haven't looked at your list for running backs. Do you have a any kind of evaluation on Rashad Penny? Yeah, it's a one-year flyer. I think at like either two and a half or three and a half. It's impossible to tell, but it's pretty funny. I mean, he was from the last five weeks of the season, he was our highest graded running back by like 10 points. Like, And he like, I know he won a lot of people, a lot of money in fantasy. I mean, he was not only efficient, but also highly productive in a, in a true kind of workhorse role. But at the end of the day, I think the injuries, you know, scare a lot of folks. And can he actually handle a full workload for more than five games is a big question. So probably an intriguing candidate as a you know, the guy that gets up field, gets north and south, and, and, and can, can separate from de- from defenders. But, yeah, just, just so many red flags with the health. Uh, even if we even with that, that first-round pedigree, I doubt anyone really steps up there. Yeah, and I think two other RFAs <coughs> that might be of interest if they, if they don't get tendered would be Dearness Johnson out of Cleveland and uh, former Texan Dari Ogunbowale out of Jacksonville. I think those are two names that would make sense both both you know from their running style and for, for their attributes and for their costs cuz I just I have trouble seeing either team maybe Jacksonville just because they have Boku of of cap dollars available but I'm not entirely sure uh, Cleveland's going to invest a 2.5 million dollar tender on Johnson at this point especially with Kareem Hunt and and Chubb there. So are there any, any other names, even, even if it is RFA type players that, that are not on my list here? I would say at that point I'm with you where I'm, I'm probably not even paying all that much attention to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got other players, you know, like Justin Jackson, but he's a you know, receiving type of guy. He's pretty little, even though he lit up Texans this year when they played against him and, you know, re- most hard out of San Francisco, he's his own guys. So he's not going to work. And uh, Darrell Williams, you know, that's I, – I don't want to be rude when I say this, but that's the kind of player that you can pick up at any point during the offseason for, you know, relatively low contract. We'll hop over here to the request. So we got uh, Houston Football 3. Says connecting. Go ahead. What you hey got, guys, to? um Um – Running back Ronald Jones or James Conner, does that uh, um, you know bring any potential matchup with the Texans? And the other question was on the on the wide receiver. Um, I think um, I'm not. I'm sure I'm butchering his name, but Enkil Harry from uh, Patriots 2018 first round pick. He, I don't think they picked up his fifth round fifth year option. 
would that be like a slot wide receiver? He's a tall guy, but would that be a slot wide receiver option? Thanks. So on the two running backs, so Ronald Jones, he just kind of got buried behind uh, Leonard Fournette, and then he's fought some. You know, he played 16 games this past year. He only missed one, hit 428 yards rushing. He's he's one of those guys that shows up one week and then disappears another week. And, and that was a good offensive line in Tampa Bay this past year. And so it kind of gives me concern if he gets behind an offensive line that is not quite as good. And sure, I mean, he. I think at this point, Ronald Jones is, is going to just be a type of one-year flyer type, give you, toss you a little bit of, toss you a little bit of um, guaranteed money, kind of like what, uh, God, what was the uh, running back they signed last year here in Houston that came from Cleveland? Uh, oh, say no, I forgot. He played for Tennessee at the very end of the year. Anyhow. Uh, Deontay Foreman? No. No. Yeah, and Jair just asked me about Deontay Foreman. <laughs> but uh, to answer the question, so Ronald Jones, I, I, it it it's another name that's just yeah sure if if you want to sign him for one year, you know one point five million dollars with two hundred thousand guaranteed, sure bring him to camp and see what he can do. James Conner, I think that's gonna be beyond what Casario may be wanting to spend, and. His in, his injury history gives me a little bit of concern. Thank you, Jair. It was Dontrell Hilliard. Thank you. <laughs> um, James James Conner gives me a little bit of concern from a from an injury standpoint. I mean, he did play 15 games this past year, but he just seems like he's always banged up. He's always on the injury report some way, somehow. It, he's a very good running back. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just not entirely sure that's the type of player that you want to spend – a decent amount of salary cap dollars for a team that's probably not going to win very many games next year. I, I think you're, you're you're basically just going to get one year of service out of him, maybe two. And at that point, I would rather just allocate the those salary cap dollars somewhere else and just bring in some more young guys via draft and undrafted players. Yeah, I think Connor's going to get a pretty strong deal um, for about two years, maybe $12 million, maybe even more than that. Uh, just a funny kind of stat we were looking at. He had, I think, 17 touchdowns this year, which is obviously incredible. But we then were looking at the average distance traveled on those touchdowns. We were looking at him and Jonathan Taylor, who I think were number one, number two in touchdowns. And James Connor had eight touchdowns from like within within the five-yard line. where you know His, his average touchdown distance run was like, you know, eight yards total, whereas Jonathan Taylor's average touchdown run was like 27 yards. So, like, yes, he had some production numbers, and he, he was solid in Pittsburgh, and I do think he's a true three-down back. He can catch. Um, he kind of had some an acrobatic catches here for a touchdown, kind of a one-handed snag. But, but yeah, the, a lot of tread on those tires and, and the injuries and all that. And, and also, I do. I think he's going to get a solid deal. So Yeah, and he, the, he asked about uh, Nikhil Harry out of New England. I don't know if he's available via trade. You know, the they haven't picked up his fifth year option, but they have until I think like March third to to um, March third, May third to do so. And we lost Brad again. He is having some troubles tonight. Chance we'll get to you in just a second, buddy. But you know, and I know Miguel's in here listening as well. So, and he's a he's a Patriots aficionado. Let's see. Let me get Brad back in here. Chance we'll get to you in a minute, buddy. 
There you are. Right, I, so, I heard everything you said. Yeah. Bl- blame the Indianapolis internet, but I, I heard you. Uh, yeah, you need to bring it, take it. PFF can't give you a hotspot. You having to depend on the hotel, hotel <laughs> Wi-Fi. So Nikhil Harry, yeah, I, is he available by trade? Who knows? I mean that maybe you maybe you've heard something, Brad, that that's not out there, but you know it's. I mean, their their agent, his agent, posted on Twitter, you know, last year trying to kind of push a trade through, and, and no one stepped up. So I, I don't think there's any interest there. But I do, I do think that the, the question was also, could he fit in the slot? He is kind of that new age big slot that can block. Had a really high run blocking grade this year. That's kind of all the only way they use him. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it, is he available in a trade? I, I don't know either. I don't even know if you want to pay, you know, the last year of that rookie deal. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's you know picking up that fifth year option, which now is fully guaranteed when you pick it up. That's a that's a much bigger decision than it was with the previous collective bargaining agreement. So we'll jump over here to Chance. His question: You doing okay on time, Brad? Yeah, cutting out. Okay, <laughs> Chance, what you got, man? Hey, how y'all doing tonight, man? Good. Uh, I wanted to throw a few uh, free agent names at you guys and okay. see what you guys think about this. Uh, I know you guys uh, was talking about we kind of maybe need to shoot for the mid round, the mid, the mid guys, and not so much the top shelf guys. So, what do you think about guys like uh, at running back, a guy Justin Jackson from the Chargers, kind of a young guy. He hit us up pretty good last year, probably ran for about over 100 yards against us. Another running back, Raheem Mostert from the 49ers, who's got a little bit of competition over there now with with uh, with Mitchell that came in and really kind of solidified himself out there. Um, and then at the offensive guard position, what about Andrew Norwell? Um, and two more guys that I got, and I know I'm shooting a lot of names at you, mm-hmm. but what do you think about uh, – a slot receiver like uh, wide receiver Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills. It's kind of like an under-the-radar guy that can really come in and maybe cause a little damage at, at the slot, kind of help Amadola out in his his, his young age. <laughs> uh, and then the last guy who was under the radar last year but may have made a name for himself is somebody that we really could use is Devondre Campbell, the linebacker from – Green Bay. What do you guys think about those guys? And I'll listen to you guys. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man. So let's see here. Justin Jackson. He gives me a little bit of concern from, from an, from an injury standpoint. He, uh, see here played. So he missed, uh, eight games due to injury in 2019, three games due to injury in 2020, three games due to injury in 2021. He did light up the Texans. I was there. I watched the game. It was uh, not very pretty. That was the COVID game. But, you know, he's, he's 5'11", 200. He's 26, he's 26. So, you know, I think he's similar to that Ronald Jones type of type of player. Not, not the type of runner, but just the type of market that he's going to garner. It's going to be – somebody that would get signed probably after the draft. If it is before the draft, it's going to be a minimal contract, but it's another one of those players where it's one year slightly above the minimum with, you know, 
$150,000, guarantee to get them into the camp. You can attach some incentives to it to make it close to $2 million, but it's it's not going to be very much. Most art, that one I don't think is a scheme fit. I think he does well in that wide zone scheme that Shanahan runs in, in San Francisco, and that's complete opposite of what Pep Hamilton is going to run here. So I just I think he's a very he's a very good player. I'm just not entirely sure that he's the type of type of running back that you're going to want to bring here. And and plus he's 30, so that that gives me a little bit of concern as well. Isaiah McKenzie, the wide receiver, that one's an interesting name, and I hadn't really looked into him. So he was up in Buffalo. He says he's 27, five foot seven, 173. Yeah, so. He's been healthy, 15, 16, 15 games the last three years. Just kind of got probably got buried behind the depth chart up there in, in Buffalo with a very good wide receiver core that they have. But, you know, I'd have to look at his at his uh, measurables. I can jump. I can jump yeah, in on McKenzie. I, I like uh, I like the McKenzie shout a lot. That's probably my, my favorite of the list. There, um, they started to use him in a lot of different ways. A lot of jet sweeps and end arounds, and even some some true carries, kind of like a Debo Samuel. And, and no, I'm not comping him to Debo Samuel, but you know, a ton of speed and, and versatility. Um, I, I think he's an interesting name and, and a guy that again, you're not breaking the bank for, but could add an element to the offense that they don't really have right now. Yeah, see that four 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 two forty yard dash. 1079 agility score on the player profile page. So yeah, he is definitely an athlete coming out of college and coming out of Georgia. So he's a fifth round pick. So yeah, that's a good call there chance. That's a definitely player. We'll have to look into a little bit further. And then, uh, see here, Campbell, the, the defensive side. So we're going to, we're going to cover defensive, the defensive side of the ball next week with Brad. So I don't really don't have a whole lot of notes in front of me on Devondre Campbell. Uh, we can take a look at that next week. I'd be, I'd be shocked if if Green Bay lets him get away, despite their their crazy uh, salary cap position. But I think that might be a player once they let go of the Smiths and of the world. I think that might be a player they're going to try to bring back. So, you got anything else, Chance? Before we move on. Um. Yeah. Um. Ultimately, I I think uh, with that thirty seventh pick, I, 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 I can just see us taking a running back there at thirty seven. Uh, Kind of in the frame mind of thinking that uh, Indianapolis Colts did with Jonathan Taylor snatching up a a home run hitter that came out of the second round. And the guy that I like, he gives you a little bit of everything out of the backfield. Nice, you know, big solid legs, really runs fast, quick feet, uh, good vision. And that's Brees Hall out of Iowa State. I I, I got him as RB one over Spiller. Um, I actually got I actually got. Hall is RB one. I got Kenneth Walker is RB two, and I'm st- and I, a lot of people. It's probably not a hot take, but I, I think I like Ky- Kyron Williams a little more than I do Spiller. I just think Spiller in the hole. He's more of a he's more of a bang. You know, two, three, four, five yard guy that, that that's going to bang a cloud of dust, get you a few yards here and there. But uh, I really like Brees Hall, and I think he could fit in that scheme that, uh, that 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 Pep wants to run with the two tight ends. He's a tough runner, but he's quick. He can pick his holes. He can put his head down. And I think he had like uh, 24 games in a row with a rushing touchdown. Um, 
I know he ran a lot of outside zone, but uh, I think he has the ability to run inside as well. Um, either him or, like I say, Kenneth – is it Kenneth Walker? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like those two guys. A lot of people are talking about Spiller, but every time I watch him, I just see him stumble a little bit. I see him – I've never seen him break away from guys. He usually gets caught from behind. He's a good back, don't get me wrong, but I think it's time for us to start adding some home run hitters on this team. And that's kind of why I was talking up Isaiah McKenzie and uh, and the other little running back from, from 49ers. But I think you helped talk me out of that that that, that older guy. <laughs> yeah, and I think – But uh, thanks, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of – I appreciate it, Chance. Yeah. Uh-huh, and, go ahead. No, I appreciate it, Chance. And, yeah, I mean, the, the running backs from uh, – from the draft, I, I my answer is yes to pretty much any of them. I mean, <laughs> I think the the fan base is after seeing the way the running back position, the running back room has been handled the last three years. It's just been just the worst management of a running back group from salary cap to just roster composition to acquisitions, and and everybody wants the David Johnson taste out of their mouth and. I, everybody is just ready. I don't, I, you know, and I nobody's wanting them to spend a, a number three overall pick on it, but they're definitely ready for that home run, big three down type of running back. And if that's pick thirty seven, then hey, by all means. But this team has so many roster spots to fill and so many needs to address. You know, you can you can't go wrong at thirty seven with even if it's a running back or somebody else at this point. So we'll go to trust thy plan. Space is regular. Take yourself off mute, sir. Hey, can y'all hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, I appreciate you for having me on. Um, quick thing. So when I was looking at the Texans and I was looking at how the draft could go with the top five, you know, I have a feeling that the Jags, they might jump on an O-lineman, like an Evan O'Neill, for example, because I feel that Trevor Lawrence, he was getting too much punished. As you, as you saw, and um, I feel the Texans are actually going to specifically go for an O-lineman because we never go for a sexy pick, if you have not noticed that. With Houston Texans, we always go for the guy that we actually need. And I feel with this, you know, free agency class, you know, the O-lineman is not as deep. So I feel that Nick Casario is probably going to go with an O-lineman. And the guy that I'm looking at is that NC State dude. Um, What's his name? I can't even say his name, man. I He's can't. a left tackle. How you say it? I don't know how to say his last name. I just say Ikem, his first name. <laughs> yeah, Ikem. Yeah, Ikem. I watched some of his film, man. I'm, I'm going to tell you what some right now. That is something with Warhop, and that's something that Nick Casario, like, that's what we need. That kind of, you know, he looks like he's just trying to kill somebody on the field. But when I looked at it, like, he's he's not even a top – he's a top five O-lineman. But we could possibly get him, though, if we trade it back with him because I'm thinking that Nick Casario also – he might actually just, you know, sit there and be like, you know what, I'm, I need more picks, right? So we probably could even trade back. So my question is to you is like, what do you think about the NC State guy if we could actually get him if we trade back or do we have to pick him up in the, with the third overall pick? Because I personally don't think we're going Kyle Hamilton because there's too many good safeties in this draft. You know, I, I don't think we're going to bake on him, to be honest with you. Well, I think – I think trade back for number three is definitely in play. 
if they end up keeping Tunsil and moving Howard back to right tackle with Charlie Heck as your swing tackle, then I'm not sure that that making the the tackle the the draft pick at number three makes a whole lot of sense. And with Evan, you know, Evan Neal's not working out this week, but I think Ikem is going to move up the boards and be close to. Wouldn't shock me if he overtook Neal as a as OT one for for the yep. week. So, you know, I think that's a a real chance that I think his name is flying up the boards. I think a lot of the draft folks are catching up to the teams on that. And he very well might be before Evan Neal and might go number one overall to Jacksonville. So it just, it, we're just going to wait and see. We're just going to wait and see what happens with uh Tunsil come, you know, if come March 16th and come to draft if, if he's still on the roster, which I think it, there's more of a chance that he's going to be on the roster than not. I know I've talked about trading him in the past, but I think at this point it's looking more towards like he's going to be here. So unless the team just gets some great offer, but there's, you know, three or four good tackles in the first round. There's, you know, some potential tackles in free agency with Toronto Obstead. So, you know, I'd be be shocked to see the team trade and I'd be shocked to see him take a, t- a tackle that early. That's And you know what? Um, I'm thinking that we might not actually trade Tunsil because think about it. If we have Tunsil, Howard – and we draft an old lineman, man. We could literally solidify that position and we give Mills all that time in the pocket what we need, you know, because I feel that our defense needs more work. But with our offensive line, I mean, we already have Howard. And if we keep Tunsil and we just get another piece into that, you know, that that could really help us out. And plus, if we draft that running back, you know, we got to get some guy that can get in the trenches, right, and build holes for him. Yep. No, I hear you, man. It will. We'll definitely get into a lot of the draft stuff coming up in uh, the next few weeks. So uh, definitely appreciate discussion on that. We'll get to one more question before we shut it down. Let's see here, Justin. Let me get to you. This will be the last question of the night. Justin, go ahead and close this out, sir. What you got? Take yourself off mute. There you go. Hey, what's going on, Cap? Hey. Cap, I just got in here. I don't know if y'all talked about him or not, but my dude is Bradley Bozeman. Okay. Can you expand? Why why is Bradley Bozeman your guy? I just think he is the perfect fit. He's young. Um, I don't think he's going to cost us a lot of money. And I just solidifying that center position would be huge it would it definitely would and you know brad had him in here at uh three years seven million per so three years 21 million he is 27 like you said he's he's young he's coming off one of his best years he's not a very athletic center you know he's very good pass blocker run blocking yeah that's that's the tricky part with with bozeman and that's what concerns me especially especially uh with what Pep Hamilton and, and Warhop wants to do. So, well, that's definitely somebody that they, they'll definitely look into. And if they're willing to spend some money there, then that would, you know, make a lot of sense versus bringing back Justin Britt or, or drafting a drafting a center. So definitely not opposed to Bradley Bozeman. If that's where they want to spend their money for sure. Hey Cap, is it something that has been talked about is, um, Pep's offense more of a 
gap power scheme or is it zone or is it mixture of both or 12 personnel power gap scheme completely okay. not not what we're accustomed to seeing and definitely not a zone scheme so it's going to be uh it's going to be a lot of vertical vertical threat a lot of uh outside outside of the numbers throwing with a lot of power scheme running so it's going to be a, a new a new new offense for the fans to watch, and I think we're all excited to to see what he brings to the table for sure. Very much so, very much so. Well, I appreciate it, Cap. That's all I got. All right, thank you, sir. Right, thank you, Brad. I know you got to run. I appreciate your time, sir. Of course, I'm sorry about the uh, technical difficulties, to everybody. But uh, you know, that's what happens, I guess, coming live from Indianapolis. Yeah. So we'll uh, hope you have a good rest of the week and. Uh, you know, enjoy your time up there. And then I think you're joining us again next week. We'll uh, cover the defensive side of the defensive side of the ball. Got a ton of, ton of players to cover over there as well for the Texans. Cause they think, I think they have like two players under contract for defense right now. <laughs> so a lot of roster holes to fill over there and uh, appreciate your time, sir. Uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, Brad works for pro football focus. You can follow him on Twitter says it at pff underscore brad yep there you go and uh he's got his pre he's got his free agent rankings with a lot of contract projections very good with the salary cap and and the contract and the market values so if you're not following him give him a follow you and uh brad will catch up with you next week sir yeah sounds good we'll talk next week hopefully have some uh some more info on the defense roger that all right and i appreciate everybody's time and thank you for listening and uh we'll shut it down with that thank you